0: Acts chapter 9. There's Bibles under your pews if you need them. Acts chapter 9 and verse 1. We looked at this text last week, but we're going to look and focus a little bit deeper on one section this morning. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way... Whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. And then he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him arise and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do and the men who journeyed with him stood speechless hearing a voice but seeing no one and then Saul arose from the ground and his eyes were open and he saw no one but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus and he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. And now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. And so the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, For he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul spent spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Um, we, We are looking in on God bringing somebody to salvation. I mean, this radical work of God bringing somebody to salvation. I don't know if, if, if you remember the moment that you were saved. I don't. I, I grew up in a Christian home, and I, I love my testimony in the sense that I grew up hearing the gospel. Everything in our house was Christ-centered as far as we, we knew who our Redeemer was. And, and I, I grew up seeing it in my, my family and seeing it in the church as far as evidences of of Christ and the graces of God. And, and um, I know that there came a point where there was a deci- uh, decision as far as God displaying Himself and, and me following Him and confessing sin and wanting to follow Christ in every part of my life. But to pinpoint the time, can't tell you some of you can some of you remember exactly where you were when god saved you in this particular situation saul knew exactly where he was when god saved him exactly where he was and we watch what takes place here as far as him going in a direction of wanting to persecute christians going to Damascus to bind them, to bring them back to Jerusalem, to imprison them and to put them to death. He is going in a direction totally opposite of of God and wanting to do everything he could to hurt believers and put them to death wherever he could find them, even to foreign cities. And God saves them. Now, before we get into the verse that I want to focus on this morning, I want to make something very clear and that is as we look at the gospel we are saved by faith and by faith alone in christ you see it in ephesians 2 where it says for by grace you've been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of god not of works lest anyone should boast so important for us to understand that we we are saved and and it, it is a salvation that comes by faith alone it's not our works It's not anything that we could ever muster up of ourselves, any righteousness that we could ever come up with on our own. It is is all coming by grace. It is all the result of of God working in our hearts and a true and living faith that is there that is a gift so that we, we cannot boast at all in our salvation. In Galatians, we're told that Man is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. It says, for by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. We're told out in Titus chapter 3 that it's not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of regeneration and the, holy, and the renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. It's all by grace through faith that we're saved. I, I need us to be very clear on that. You're saved by faith, and it's by grace alone. It's not works. But I find it interesting in Acts chapter 9, where you see what's taking place here where God knocks him to the ground, knocks Saul to the ground. He hears a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul knows that that this isn't just anybody that has knocked him to the ground. He says, who are you, Lord? He knows that it's deity that's done this. And the Lord says, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. I'm Jesus, the one in in whom you have done everything to go after, the one in whom you've done everything to, to put to death those who are following me. I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. It tells us that Saul's trembling. He's there on the ground, he's trembling, he's astonished. And he says, Lord, what do you want me to do? So we see him get saved. God does this work. He knows that Christ is real. He knows that Christ is risen from the dead. God's done this radical work as far as in his heart, bringing him from a place of hating Christians to being one. And his response is, Lord, what do you want me to do? And then from there, the Lord says to him, Arise and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. So here he is as a believer. Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The reason why I want to camp on that particular portion of this verse is that I think frequently amongst evangelical Christians we have a mindset that we are saved. We're saved by faith alone. Christ alone. It's all by grace alone. But we go from there to Living our Christian lives, doing what God has, has, has called us to do, but only a segment. Even within discipleship, you'll have people say, okay, well, now you need to get involved with the church. And you can't do this anymore. You can't talk like that anymore. You shouldn't be doing these things anymore. And, here's, and, and so we, we, we kind of take our lives and, and we, we live it in a way of, of still maintaining. Authority over ourselves, as if we get to make decisions whatever we want to do. There's some people in whom are just, man, those guys, those, those are those are hardcore Christians, man, those guys are they're nuts. And then there's some in which it's like, ah, oh, they're they're kind of just normal. Those people are kind of they're they're lukewarm Christians. And then and then there's just the carnal Christians. Where it's now. they're Christians but they're, 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 they're carnal they're, they're, they're not living for God at all but notice in the text God saves them and then he says you're going to go into the city and I'm going to tell you what you must do what you must do it's not a matter of like if you want if you feel like you're called to this. If you if you decide like that this is the way you want to go, I'm going to give you lots of choices, but you you get to pick. It's just a matter of this is what you must do. It's what you must do. We, we talk about Jesus in such a way of Have you received Jesus as your personal Savior? And yet, I find in Scripture over and over again that it's believe upon Him. We see this radical work of God bringing someone to salvation. And then from that point on, He is your master. He is your Lord, you don't get to look at your lives and say like gonna give him this part but these other parts in my life yeah i not ready to let go of that yet I want to give him part of my life and some sections of my life but not, not, not all of them not every section of my life it's this is what you must do you must do it. He's your master. You're his slave. You belong to him. He bought you. He purchased you. You're not your own. You belong to him. Pastor Scott blessed us this last week in our staff devotion and bringing us to Matthew 28 in, in which we see the Great Commission. And He quoted the Great Commission where Jesus says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And then he he took us to a place of, notice what Jesus says, All authority has been given unto me. All of it. And he just camped there for a while with us on Wednesday morning. All authority has been given to him. Every bit of the authority has been given, it, given unto him. He has full authority over every one of us and over all things. He's Lord, He's the one that is in control. Upon saving Saul, Christ calls him immediately to follow him as his Lord and Savior. It's unconditional surrender. Saul is to yield himself entirely to Christ's Lordship. Christ is to be his sovereign Lord. He's going to be told what he must do. What he must do. As we read in the text, you see the circumstances with Ananias that comes up. Where the Lord comes to this other believer, Ananias, he says. Ananias responds, Lord, here I am. Lord gives him direction. Arise, go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. He's going to have a vision that a man named Ananias is going to come and put his hand on him and he's going to be able to receive his sight. Now, notice what Ananias says. Lord, um, I heard that uh, from a lot of people about this guy. Um, he, he's done terrible things to the saints that are in jerusalem and um he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on his name this guy lord the one that you want me to go find saul of tarsus he he drags men and women from their homes and he takes them and binds them and brings them to jerusalem and he throws them in jail and then he kills them he has them stoned to death. You want, you want me to go talk to him? You want me to go lay my hands on him? You want me? To, see, he, God didn't say like, okay, just so you know, I knocked him to the ground, and there was a light that came on, and 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 I said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And and he responded, this way. He, he doesn't know any of this. He just knows like, hey, go and tell Hitler. I want you to go meet with this really bad dude and lay hands on him and he's going to receive his sight. See, there's times in which the one who has all authority calls us to do things that we don't want to do. He calls us to do things that don't seem safe. He calls us to do things that our flesh would rather run in the opposite direction. And yet does God say, if you want, Ananias, you could do this, but if not, I mean, I'll call on this other guy. No, just go and do this. Why? Because I've been given all authority. I rule all things. I'm commanding you to go and do this. And, And you see him, he goes. He goes and he enters the house. He lays hands on him. And says, brother Saul, Think of those words. brother, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he just watched. Something like scales falls from his eyes, receives his sight at once. He arose and is baptized. And then he spends time with the disciples there before he goes out preaching the gospel wherever God calls him to go. He's Lord. It is of utmost importance that we understand his lordship. He has authority over you. And you are to do all, all, all that he commands you. I paraphrase some of these verses, but let's go through some of them one by one. 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. It belongs to Him. You're not your own. Brothers and sisters, you do, you get up and you do all the things that he tells you that you must do. You don't keep certain areas of your life from the Lord thinking like, "Ah, I'm just gonna keep this area away from him. I'm willing to submit in all these other areas of my life, but on these areas, this 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 is just my struggle. God hasn't taken these things away from me yet. I just kind of keep these things here and I do what I want to do when it comes time. You're not your own. You're not your own. You you, you don't have authority to do that anymore. You were bought with a price. Romans 14:7 tells us for none of us lives to himself and no one dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. Therefore, whether you live or die, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We belong to Him. In your life and in your death, in every area, you belong to Him. He has authority to tell you what you must do. What you must do. 2 Peter two one talks about how there's false teachers who would deny that the lord bought them he purchased you revelation 5 9 we're singing a song saying you're worthy to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain you've redeemed us to god by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation you purchased us you bought us we belong to him we belong to him. Every part of who we are belongs to him. Turn with me to Titus chapter 2 for a moment, verse 11. Titus 2, verse 11. And we're going to look around at some different things this morning, so be ready to, to turn. Titus two eleven. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Speak these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one despise you. With all authority, tell people to deny ungodliness. Brothers and sisters, that's every area of your life. Every area of your life. Whatever it is in your life that that you don't want to give over to Him. That's ungodliness. And God's saying, every area. Deny all ungodliness. All worldly lust. I got to figure that people here are sitting here this morning just going he's talking to me When you say worldly lust I know what you're talking about Because it's this thing that just I hold on to its worldly lust and I I just I haven't given it up I don't give it up. I keep it But you don't have a right to do that It will thrash you it will thrash your marriage. It will thrash your family Deny all ungodliness, all worldly lust. Live soberly, righteously, godly in the present age. Look into Christ. He gave himself for us. That he might purchase us, that he might redeem us from what? From every lawless deed. Every one of them. And purify for himself his own special people who are zealous for good works. His own special people who are slaves unto him, who belong to him. He's our master. And we're just zealous for good works. I want to serve him. I want to live for him. I want to get rid of every area of my life that goes against him. I just want to follow him. I want it to be where, where I'm living soberly and righteously and godly looking to Christ in all these areas of my life. We need to be very careful of areas of our lives in which we're unwilling to surrender to the lordship of Christ, areas in our lives where we think we know better, or areas in our lives where we're comfortable just sinning that grace might abound. Areas of our lives where it's just like, well, I'll just I'll sin and then I'll 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 First John one nine it and, and confess my sins and He'll be faithful to forgive me and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But I'm just going to keep these areas, but I mean, I know God says this, but I, I'm the exception because he, this is so miserable. I got to be able to get out of this in some way or, or I, I, just, I, I have this weakness and I just go towards it. And here's the reasons why I could keep all of these things in my life. Be very, very careful in those areas of your life. Galatians 5.9 says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of sin. You keep a little bit of sin in your life and it will leaven the whole lump. A little bit of leaven that you stick into that dough will make the whole thing rise as you leave it there overnight. It will thrash every area of your life. Run from it. You think of cancer. If, if, if you have a one centimeter tumor that has cancer, there, there, there's a hundred million cells in a one centimeter tumor, a hundred million cells in one centimeter of a tumor. If you go to the doctor and you find out that that tumor has cancer, what do you do? You Hopefully pray. You, you probably panic a little bit. You call upon others to pray for you. You seek medical attention. You find out what they want to do to get rid of it. And they're going to come in and they're going to say, well, we think it's localized. And so let's just go in as quickly as possible and and, and let's do surgery to get this thing out. And so we're going to cut you open and we're going to pull this thing out and we're going to cut all the areas that are around it. Get out this one centimeter tumor. And then, after that we 're going to go in and, and, and we may do radiation radiation or we, we may use some other kind of chemotherapy or something to to help get rid of it but if it's spread you you know that that The doctors are going to come and say, well, here's what you need to do. We're going to do everything we can to wipe this thing out. And so we're going to do this many series of of chemotherapy or this many series of radiation. And here's what we're going to do. And and you can see someone in those circumstances. Many of you have probably been through it where, or you've watched someone go through it, where they, they get brought nearly to death in the midst of some of these treatments. And then the joy that comes over them to find out I'm cancer free. They'll lose their hair. They'll go through incredible pain and sickness and all kinds of things to do whatever it is to kill those cells. Whatever it takes to get rid of that cancer in my body. Because if I don't get rid of that cancer, it's just going to spread it's gonna to go to my lymph nodes, it's gonna to go to other areas of my body, and, and I, I won't make it if I, if I don't do something to surgically remove that, or to do something to kill those cells. I, I, let's do whatever it takes. I'll, I'll, I know I'm gonna to have to go through a whole lot, but I'll do whatever it takes to get rid of that. And, and we do it, and we watch people do it. But what about the sin in our lives? Are you okay just letting, in just one centimeter. I know it's spread into other areas of my life, but hey, where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. And it's just going to be my struggle till I die. And I I mean, I've given every other area of my life over to God, but these areas I still just want to keep. With cancer, we do everything we can to extinguish that out of our lives. God, help us to think that way when it comes to sin in our lives, submitting unto his lordship. Turn with me to Galatians chapter five, verse sixteen. Galatians five, sixteen. Paul says here, I say then, walk in the spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, these are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery and fornication and uncleanness and lewdness and idolatry and sorcery and hatred and contentions and jealousies and outbursts of wrath and selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries and the like. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in the time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there's no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Get rid of those other areas of your life. Pray that God removes these things from you. Do whatever you can to kill those things. Do whatever you can to remove those things. Whatever it takes, Whatever if if it means hucking the computer, if it means getting rid of the TV, if it means being in God's word daily, if it means having accountability that is around you, if it means praying without ceasing, if it means being in a place of doing whatever it takes to keep you from that sin you know what it is that makes you stumble in those areas so do whatever it is don't drive to that area where you know you're going to fall don't do anything that will make it so that you can get and fall into those same areas again if you belong to christ you've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires through christ so walk in the spirit Turn with me to Romans chapter 6, verse 12. or Yeah, verse 12. Romans 6, verse 12. You see here where he says, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lust. Rather let who reign in your body? Christ. He's your master. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to Him. Look down at verse 15 of Romans 6. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law but under grace? What then? Should we sin should you sin should you keep falling in these same areas over and over and over again should you keep doing what you want to do should you keep this thing where it's just like i know god says this but i'm the exception i know god hates this but like every area of my life everybody thinks looks really good should we sin and let that sin reign in us should we sin because we're not under the law but under grace since you have had all of your sins removed and it's been replaced with the very righteousness of christ should we look at it in such a way of like well i'm forgiven so i'm just going to let this this one centimeter of cancer stay in my life The Holy Spirit inspires Paul to respond, certainly not, or God forbid, no, 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 no. Do not do that. Do you not know that to whom you present yourself slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey, whether of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But God be thanked that though you were slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine to which you were delivered. And having been set free from sin, you became slaves of righteousness. He says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Please do this. If you're here this morning and, and, and you feel like God's speaking directly to you, Because he knows all of your sin, and he knows all of these areas, and he knows what it is that you've kept from him. You call him Lord, but you have these other areas in which you feel like you're still entitled to. And when I say things like, reading the passage, go to this place, he's going to tell you what you must do. That just bugs you. Tell me what I have to do. Because you feel like you have authority rather than him. May the, this morning be a time where you submit to his lordship in every area, realizing that you're not your own. You've been bought with a the price. Therefore, present your members as slaves of righteousness. For holiness. Not slaves of uncleanness and of lawlessness. Notice that it says, leading to more lawlessness. It just will Grow. The one centimeter tumor will grow and it'll grow and you'll grow and you'll be in my office at some point or maybe not, but you'll be at some place of just, how did I get here? I don't even know how I got here. And I'll say like, "Mm, it's not hard to figure out. I mean, you just fed your flesh whatever it wanted for a long time. You didn't go after the things of God. You let that tumor stay there and it just, it God told you that it would spread and it spread. And now you've made a wreck out of everything. You've hurt so many people. Your testimony's been tarnished. Others have been hurt because you wanted to keep this one area of your life. You wanted to be in control of it. You wanted to do what you wanted to do. You did not want to submit to his lordship. He tells us things because it's what's right and it's what honors him and it's what pleases him. He tells us things because he knows what's best when we don't. Peter says, Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. Stay away from it. And so, Saul gets saved. Trembling and astonished, Lord, what do you want me to do? Arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. You must do it. You have been told what you must do. Right here. It's so clear. Things that you must do. There's books that exist of lists of different things. One of them comes from a man by the name of, let me look to the, the credits here, Wilmington, book of Bible list, of scripture. And he starts to list different things commands. I looked up commands to believers. And in that list, there's 127 things. Here's the New Testament list that you must do. We're going to read through all of them right now. So we're not. But can we read through a few of them? Just commands that God gives. Abstain from all appearances of evil. 1 Thessalonians 1 Thessalonians 5.22. Be thankful, Colossians 3.15. Be patient. Be steadfast. Be immovable. Be always abounding in the work of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 15.58. Be angry and sin not, Ephesians 4.26. Be an example to other believers, 1 Timothy 4.12. Be content with what you have, Hebrews 13:5. Do not be conformed to this world, Romans 12:12:2. 12, 12, 12, Do not be drunk with wine, Ephesians 5:18. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, 2 Corinthians 6:14. Beware of covetousness. Beware of backsliding. Cast your cares upon God, first Peter five seven. Have no fellowship with darkness, Ephesians five eleven. Have compassion, Jude 22. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures here on earth, Matthew six nineteen. Let your speech be with grace, Colossians four six. Do not let sin reign in your body, Romans six twelve. Do not forsake the assembling together of the body, Hebrews 10, 25. Put on the whole armor of God, Ephesians 6, 11. Redeem the time, Ephesians 5, 16. And it just goes on and on and on. Commandments that you have been given of what you must do. Both in the positive and what you ought to abstain from, and you can just go on and on. Read God's word. What must you do? You have a choice. He is your Lord. He is your Master. You belong to Him. We don't take areas of our lives and say we get to keep this area. He saved you. He bought you with the precious blood of Christ. And he has called you to live under his authority. What does God tell you to do? Repent of the areas in which you've kept for yourself and follow him. Knowing that he can enable you to do these things, he can enable you. He is willing and he is good. He works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Pray. Be surrounded with the body of Christ. Ask for accountability. Fast. Be in his word. Hate sin. Pursue righteousness. Keep your eyes fixed upon him and go to God's word and say, What must I do? (laughs) Not to be saved be saved is to believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you are saved by faith alone in him. But if those that belong to him have been purchased with the very precious blood of Christ, do we not want to please him in the way in which we live? Do we want to take from him the counsel of his word to be under his lordship and to be in a place of, Lord, wherever you tell me to go, I will be blind and I will go to this particular city and I will wait for you to tell me what I must do. I will hear from you in the pages of scripture and I will go to that particular person and I will lay hands on him even though the guy wants to kill people like me. Because you told me to do it. To be in a place of whatever you tell me to do, I'll do. Your way, brothers and sisters, stinks. It always will. God's way is perfect, and it always will be. Don't spend any more time doing it your way. You have no right to do that anymore. You have been bought with the very precious blood of Christ. Follow him. Follow him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the way in which you save Saul of Tarsus, but immediately seeing your lordship in his life, your direction in his life, you telling him what he must do. Lord, you've told us what you're calling us towards. You've given us commandments in your word of what it is that pleases you and how it is that we are to live and what we are to abstain from and what are we're called to. To do in the affirmative as far as how to live. Give us a passion to be under the greatest master we could ever have. You have all authority in every area of our lives. May we joyfully, joyfully, worshipfully submit unto your authority and your lordship. Repent in any ways that we have not. As we serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the one in whom called us, chosen us, equipped us to go and to bear fruit. May there be so much fruit coming out of our lives as a result of your Holy Spirit working in us. And may a sermon like this morning as we look at the text before us, may it keep us from making a wreck of it all. God, enable us just to live according to your word, through your Holy Spirit working in us, and we will give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.